Welcome to the Elmer EMC podcast. We want to support you on your journey with God. So here's this week's teaching. Thank you. There. I love holy sound effects, thunder, and lightning. Well, it's been a good day so far, so far, so I'll try not to ruin it. Um, but we've, uh, we've been, uh, we're going to continue in the series of messages uh, uh, based on the uh, bridge from Matt Marr's song, uh, remake of Abide With Me, the bridge that repeats the line, Oh, love that will never uh, let us go. Oh, love that will not ever let us go. I, I love it. I love it. And uh, we love Him. He loves us. He has loved us with an everlasting love, uh, drawn us with, uh, with covenant faithfulness. Jeremiah 31 tells us that, and then Isaiah 43 tells us that um, He protects us when we're vulnerable, when you go through the waters and go through the fire. The water and the fire are real, but who's with you? He is loving you, um, revealing a new path if we would have the eyes to see. And, and we learn of the love uh, in Hosea chapter 6, a love that tells us what we need to hear, like return to me, uh, so we can do what we know we need to do, which is return to him if we are distant. Hosea 11 reveals the, the love that will never let us go, that, uh, that love that aches for us, that causes, as it were, a conflict right in the heart of God who, who is poised to judge. And he says, how can I treat you, Ephraim, Israel, uh, like this? I will relent and hold back on the fierce anger that uh, you rightly deserve. And uh, he draws them back. And it's a beautiful thing. We learn in the New Testament of the love that um, befriends us in John 15. Uh, that will not call us servants anymore, but friends. We learn of the love that uh, actually serves us uh, in Jesus' washing of their feet. And when we read right to, well, to the end of time uh, as we know it and, and see the Son of Man, um, you know, calling his people to himself. And then it says of those faithful servants, he will sit them down and put the towel on himself and serve them. That's in Luke 12, powerful stuff. Can you imagine the Son of God serving you? We say, well, uh, when I stand in glory, I will see his face, and there I'll you know, serve my king forever and in that holy place. And he says, yeah, you will, but first let me serve you. Isn't that amazing? The love that will not ever let us go. And it's a love in Romans 5 that floods our hearts. Uh, it's a love in... Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and then on into Colossians 3, a love that releases new creation realities in us. We have a new outlook on everyone and everything. We have a heavenly mindset to go along with that outlook. We have a new image <laughs> to keep up and uh, new inner dispositions, new creation inner dispositions. And we have uh, so much, so much as, as his people. And so uh, what could divide us? Nothing at all. Those are Chris's lyrics. 
And, uh, and I wonder, is, is that so? You know, I could begin today with the question. Uh, as I begin this message entitled, um, Love That Keeps Us Together. Um, I could begin today with the question of, what divides Christians? In spite of this great salvation, this, this holy calling, this new creation reality into which uh, we've been brought, all of that good stuff, um, you know, I could, and yet we could easily make a list, couldn't we, of things that divide Christians in spite of all of that, um, you know. And, and yet today, I don't want to talk about what divides us. Do you want to hear about what divides us? I don't want to talk about it, so I'm not going to. I would rather, far rather, ask a different and a better question today. And it's this, what unites Christians whose hearts have been flooded with the everlastingly faithful, protecting, truth-telling, heart-aching, befriending, serving, renewing love of Christ? What unites us? I think that's a more productive question, don't you think? Don't you think? I mean, anybody can divide. It's easy. Pathetically easy. Uh, but we need uniters, don't we? Uh, who are courageously up to the task and who have the established credibility of a life well-lived after the manner of Jesus. They're full of the inner dispositions and character that we could, uh, you know, in terms of our denomination, sevens, uh, fold way of, uh, of, of following Jesus. I am learning to be like Jesus in my attitudes, behavior, and character. And to the degree that we're doing that, and to the degree that some have, in particular, uh, focused their energies and their passion on that, there are some that have then the established credibility of life and love and, and who have a new creation capacity for, for knowing and conveying truth. And they are the ones that we look to to unite us. Uh, because anybody can divide. You know who these folks are? Recognize them? Yeah, a few nods and a few uh, blank stares. So let me tell you, this is um, Richard and uh, Sabina Vermbrandt. Um, the, he wrote a book uh, entitled uh, Tortured for Christ, which details his experience as, well, he was a Jew that was converted to Jesus and he became a minister in the uh, Romanian um, Lutheran church. And, um, and he spent a lot of years in, in prison, as did his wife. Um, <clears throat> but through a, a, a number of circumstances that involved, you know, high-level conversations in, uh, in so-called high places, uh, they left Romania, and um, there's an article in, in the magazine entitled um, Voice of the Martyrs um, that looks back on, on an occasion when uh, Richard was uh, due to hold some meetings in uh, Montreal, in uh, La Belle Provence. Um, and 
it says setting up meetings in Canada for uh, the Wormbrandts was always challenging, especially in Quebec, due to the language barrier. And also the province at that time had a uh, smaller Protestant community during those early days. Uh, so our ministry team didn't have a lot of contacts established there. On top of that, getting Protestants and Catholics to attend the same meeting was very difficult. Yet, as a non-denominational organization, that was our goal, to strive for unity among the Christian population of Quebec and encourage the attendance of believers from both groups. And it goes on to talk about for several years they had worked with uh, uh, some uh, believers from both traditions, and these people were able to pull together uh, a meeting. And uh, it, it goes on to say this particular meeting was held in a school auditorium that held 500. Prior to the meeting, Richard confided that he didn't think the auditorium would be filled that evening, and I tried to assure him that we need not worry about it, for I knew the publicity had been really good and trusted that all our hard work would result in a good turnout. And uh, it was customary for them to arrive early and set things up and pray and do all the things that they would do. Uh, and uh, to our surprise, it says the parking lot had already been packed with cars and the auditorium was nearly filled to capacity. And uh, Richard was delighted, of course, with this. However, there was a tension in the air as the Catholic and Protestant attendees took their seats among one another. Richard sensed this and before he started to preach, he addressed the elephant in the room, the uneasy atmosphere. Head on, he started by asking the Protestants to give three cheers for the RCs who were present. And um, the response was rather uh, minimalistic. Um, and then he asked the Roman Catholics to do the same, and their applause was and cheers were a little louder because there was more of them. But again, it was not what Richard thought it should be. And then he stood up and shouted, Now all of us, give three cheers for Jesus. Well, you can imagine what happened. The place uh, burst into loud cheers and thunderous clapping. People were smiling and laughing. Some were even crying. And after so many years, the emotion that surged through me that evening is still as real as when it happened. And this is important. It says, although Richard was not a person to dismiss theological differences, you might think, oh yeah, lowest common denominator. As if Jesus were the lowest common denominator. Come on, folks. He's the highest common denominator, don't you think? But um, do we just turn a blind eye to very real theological differences? You're concerned about... Uh, the theological training going forward uh, of uh, those who will lead our churches and replace guys like us. I just turned 55, so, you know. Um, um, and, and yet it says that in prison he had learned that having love for Jesus was paramount to anything we hold dear. Let us do likewise. A uniter. So, love that will not ever let me go uh, is a love that uh, keeps us together. It is. And it goes without saying that if love really does keep us together, we must already have been brought together uh, in the worldwide family of Jesus. And Paul speaks to that reality in the first part of Ephesians 3. Well, even going back to Ephesians 2, where uh, again, to, to um, you know, Chris alluded to this business of dividing walls, of 
are falling down. Newsflash, Chris, they already did uh, when Jesus died on the cross. And you know that, and I know you know that. And it's then the process of the walls falling down between those who still hang on to the dividing things uh, that were a reality in the first century between the Jews and the Gentiles. And Paul says, that's got to come down, and it's going down. And in fact, in Jesus, the middle wall of partition that divides has already come down. And so what are we waiting for? It's like when the wall in Berlin came down. And, uh, you know, do we dare cross that? Will someone shoot us? Well, turns out... No, but for some it was quite a thing to actually cross where the wall had been. But the wall is down, and in in Ephesians 3, Paul goes on to then say that this wisdom of God in revealing this mystery that in Jesus, those who were divided like that would actually become one in Christ, Paul would say that, in fact, God's wisdom in all its rich variety is being made known to invisible and visible powers that be by the Jesus-unified church. And it's in our unity that we speak volumes to the powers that be that there is something about us, something strange, something uncanny, something unheard of, that we can find a way forward regardless of our differences. And sometimes the differences are very real. And uh, so, so what Paul does then, and this is where we pick up the text, then he turns his revolutionary theology into a prayer. And uh, the rest of, uh, oops, slide change error, not that again. Um, It'll happen again. Uh, but, but he turns it into a prayer, which is the rest of chapter 3, and then into the practical outcomes for the community of Jesus that is being kept together and keeping itself together in love. So picking it up at Ephesians 3.14, and yes, that's the right slide up there, beautiful. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth takes its name Uh, I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. Now, we often read passages individualistically, but this is not just you um, experiencing this, this love and inner strength of the Spirit, this is not just you individually, but you in community. It's all of us together as that body, that the Spirit, that temple, if you like, to change the metaphor, that, that the Spirit is inhabiting just as the presence of God, the Shekinah glory, um, filled the tabernacle and later the temples in the Old Testament, and now the Spirit of God fills His new temple composed of us. And as we are then strengthened as the Spirit floods our hearts, He floods our hearts with the presence of Jesus, whose love is becoming more deeply rooted in the community. And thus grounding us 
in all the realities and the practicalities of what it means to live together on the basis of his love. Because you see, it's his love that keeps us together. Uh, And his love does not uh, eliminate all these other considerations of uh, truth and all of that, but it's his love that really is the basis for that. And, and with that then, a communal, all of us together growing in our understanding, and it's not just an intellectual, abstract understanding, but a practical, experiential understanding that is ever expanding its capacity to love as those who are filled to overflowing with that which we can never contain as our expanding experience of His love continues to expand our capacity for more and more. He says, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints. as a group effort. This is all of us. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know experientially now the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So that what? you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, all the fullness of God, what does that boil down to? It's all the immeasurable fullness of the love of Christ. The love of God revealed in Christ and poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us as per Romans 5, verse 5. And so the love that keeps us together, or the one whose love keeps us together, unites us, first of all, in a powerful experience of God's immeasurable fullness. Do you know that experience? Is that your testimony? What did it feel like, Chris, the day that you stood in that uh, ice-cold, frozen water when, even though you didn't see it, the Spirit descended like a dove, anointing you and filling you and giving you the capacity now to be one of our elders and worship leaders and songwriters. And I'm not just picking on you today, but, you know, um, since your picture was up there. You know, what it did... I wonder, I'll not put words in anybody's mouth, but I wonder, was that a time when you experienced in a way? Or think of your own, uh, you know, unique and special experiences, whether it was baptism, whether it was at one of our church camps, as is so often the testimony of folks. Or sometimes, just like Charles Finney, remembered his testimony weeks ago that I, that I shared with you, just unexpectedly being inundated with what Finney would call liquid love that changed his ministry. It's not the commonality uh, of all the details of the experience that matter. It's the reality that something has happened and is happening. And it's described here. And it's something that unites us. It unites us. We're united in the powerful experience of God's immeasurable fullness, which in a word is His love. His love that changes everything. His love that launches new creation. And all that we talked about a few weeks ago. So, you know, as again, per Chris's song, we're all members of his body, so let the walls begin to fall. And like I say, they already have. 
And so then we set our minds on things eternal. What can divide us? The song says nothing at all. And is that not the ideal? Is that not the heart of God? That nothing, of all, nothing at all would divide us. Not that we don't disagree on this, that, and the other thing. We do. When did we ever come up with the notion that disagreeing on something meant that we couldn't walk together? Oh, I know. How can two walk together unless they are agreed? Well, don't overplay the hand that that verse gives you. Don't overplay it. Nothing at all, though. Well, that's how it should be. And, but the truth is that we can divide us. We can divide us. And so Paul doesn't stop writing. He doesn't put down his pen or stop dictating. However, the process of getting Ephesians uh, written in the first case happened. Because you see, we have chapters and verses and we sometimes get to the end of a chapter and we say, well, there. <laughs> I got that entire thought. No, you don't. Because you got to keep reading. Best way to read any part of Scripture is just read it all in one go. That gets a little tedious if you're talking Isaiah or something like that. But keep reading. Especially shorter epistles. Because, uh, but, but, but before he goes there, he lays down this benediction. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And, and isn't that a beautiful verse? But how we often apply that, uh, we apply it broadly to whatever we ask or imagine in his name. And, uh, and that's fine, but stick to the context. The context is about our being brought together in a unified, beautiful experience of, of the fullness of God. And, and so I would suggest that the context strongly suggests that what we are encouraged to ask or imagine here is that we might be all the more deeply rooted and grounded in the love of Christ and thus increase our capacity to experience uncontainable fullness so that more and more may be brought into the beloved family of Jesus in loving trust. That's the gist of that all too often broadly applied scripture. And, 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 and more than that, that the church might get even better at making God's wisdom known as his new creation people as we see everything as opportunities rather than threats and everyone is invitees rather than enemies to be feared or to be fought. Can you imagine this? Can we imagine this together? Oh, well, sure, we can imagine all kinds of things. How's your imagination? Some people have a wild and crazy imagination. This is something to imagine, though, isn't it? But we've got to do more than imagine, don't we? And that's why Paul goes on and he says, I therefore, the pres prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called, uh, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, 
sounds a lot like the Colossians passage that, that we looked at. A lot of the same uh, ideas. And then this statement, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so, the one whose love keeps us together unites us in, in this experience of God's immeasurable fullness, but then he urges us, I guess on the basis of that, to make room for all. In Spirit-generated peace. Now, um, do you know that the Spirit of God has issued a peace bond? Now, we've, we've all heard of restraining orders. And uh, before you get to the restraining order, you know, uh, sometimes a peace bond will be issued. And um, peace bonds, as we know them, uh, as they are um, overseen by law enforcement and whoever else, uh, they're, they're, when, when you get a peace bond, it's in, in effect for up to a year. Um, there can, uh, in writing, be consent to allow contact with the subject of the peace bond, and consent can be orally withdrawn at any time. But here's the thing, breach of a peace bond, whatever the conditions are, is a criminal offense. Now, that's the sort we hear of, you know, um, in our culture. But in contrast to that, the Spirit's peace bond, folks, is in effect for life. It's in effect for life as we maintain peaceful contact with each other. Hey, it's so easy to leave a church, isn't it? It's so easy to walk out on people you know and love. Oh, I disagree with somebody. I got an issue with somebody, so I'm out. It's so easy. And we're so free to do it, are we not? How much harder? How much more challenging? And how much more potentially rewarding is it to stay? And as much as lies within you, Pete likes this verse, be at peace with all people. And, and work at it. Making every effort. Does it take effort? Yeah. Does it take wisdom? Sometimes creativity? Ingenuity? Imagination? You know, all we can ask or imagine. Does it take that stuff? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's hard work. It's so easy just to check out. It's so easy. And it's uh, very often destructive. So we don't check out. I mean, if, if it were simply a given though that, that the, all this peace and unity would just kind of happen, we'd just float along they love floating along, getting in one of those lazy rivers in those resorts and just floating along. It's nice. It's so nice. But if this were given, Paul wouldn't have to plead with these people, would he? Good people. And in congregations with good people, like Philippi, he had a Euodia and a Syntyche, however you pronounce that. I'll ask Graham later how that's properly pronounced. He's probably reading Greek right now as we speak. No? Come on, man. Come on, get with the program. But, 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 but honestly, honestly, good people. But he wouldn't have to plead if it came naturally. Now, now, it doesn't come naturally. It does come supernaturally. But that requires some things. It requires our cooperation. It requires walking out this calling, which is what is back of the translation here. It's literally walk-worthy. 
of this calling. I wish the translations would not lose the metaphor, which I think helps us understand. You know, lead a life. Just, yeah, go lead your life. Go, you know. But the idea of walking step by step and walking worthy now, step by step, day by day, crisis by crisis, emergency by emergency, conflict by conflict, and hey, sometimes we get to celebrate some wins. Those are good days. But here it is, walk worthy of this calling. Um, You know, um, I like to walk. Beth and I love to walk. We started walking last fall, and we were like right on, right through the winter. We'd go to spring water, and the only thing that would stop us was the sheet ice after a freezing rain. Love it. And uh, now, in the heat and the humidity, we've had a hard time with it. We've got to get back to it because it felt so good. We enjoy it. The scenery, as we look and we listen There's this bird in spring water. I wish I knew what it was. I wish we could see him. He's got this this song. It's kind of like about three octaves higher than I'm going to do it. Da-da-da-da. And the answer comes back. Da-da-da. If you know what that is, please, I'd love to know. Every time we go in spring water, right near the entrance, I don't know what it is, but as we walk... And you know what happens when you walk and you're kind of, you know, getting up in years like 55. And, and you got aches and pains you didn't, use, you didn't used to have. And sometimes it's just a real effort to get out and, oh, do we have to? Yeah, we have to. But I'd rather sit. No, come on. Put those keys in the car. Let's go. That's Beth talking to me now. But once you start, once you start, Sometimes the aches and the pains, they just they, they go away. And whether they actually go away or not, maybe something else begins to fill your attention and capture your imagination. Um, and it takes a lot of steps. Apparently my, my app on my phone, I don't believe a word of it, says that if we do one of the trails, uh, we get about 5,300 steps. That's a lot of steps, isn't it? It's great, but one by one. Now, you know, you can rush a walk, but remember our friend Skip, pro cop, wrote a hit song in the 70s. I love it. Hats off to the stranger for telling me what he knows. Lord, I hear you, and I'm walking. Remember the last word? You 70s classic vinyl lovers, slow. Last word, slow. And I'm walking slow. Here's the thing. Sometimes, you know, we should listen to our friend Skip. It's four years since uh, I did his funeral here. What a crowd we had that day. We had some crowbar guys and all that crazy stuff. What What a day. A few words that were spoken from this podium were not regular ones that are used. Uh, However, God knows. But you know, sometimes we really do need to slow down. Long enough to listen. Long enough 
to cultivate empathy long enough to bear with others, long enough not to rush to judgment. It's so easy. Uh, it takes intentional effort and it takes patience to maintain unity in any gather of hum- gathering of humans. And churches are no, di- no different. Again, if we were to make that list of things we differ on, it wouldn't be hard. You know, dare I cross over a line? I mean, let's just, I'm just going to say it. The issue of vaccinations. And I'm not going to say anything more about it. But some believe it's the way to go. Some do not. And some who do and some who do not reside in the same churches. So some churches are actually requiring that uh, you show evidence of vaccination. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But let's just be honest. Differences exist. So how do we go together? How do we walk together? At times when we may, some of us, even in this room, potentially differ on things. We determine by His love and grace to walk it out patiently, slowly, listening, cultivating empathy, doing all we know to do to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of peace, bearing with one another in love, patience, all of that. Well, what if we see and know something is wrong or somebody is in the wrong? Somebody's not walking worthy. You know it and I know it. we got to do something about it. Right? Well, hold that thought. That's an important thought and it's an important question. And Paul doesn't shy away from it. But we'll get to that next week as part of the wrap-up of this. You see, what Paul is addressing here has got to take first priority as we seek to live together as the community of Jesus bearing wisdom-soaked witness to a world that needs to see how new creation Christians live and work stuff out. This comes first. And here's the reason to walk out this calling with great care and compassion and patience and not be rushed into anything which would harm the unity of spirit and the witness of the church. Notice all the ones here. There is one body. There is one spirit. You were called to one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Hmm. That's a lot of ones. It's a lot of ones. We don't get to treat that lightly. You wouldn't want to. Not at your best. And this last bit can't be overlooked. The God who is above all and is the one in whom, as Paul said, we live and move and have our being, um, this, this is the God that we deal with, and, and, and uh, if He is calling us to this, He who is above all and through all and in all, then, then, then let's not let ourselves be rushed. Let's not let ourselves be alarmed because see, He's at work already in all whom He's called. And if they're not walking worthily, then He is already at work in them And he will provide the opportunity and the approach 
to working it out for his glory and honor and for the good and the well-being of his children. He will. He will. Every last one of them, in fact. Wherever they are currently on their journey with him. You see, our, our, we still have the words, we welcome and support you, and we should really add the last bit in your journey with God because that's, that's what gives it that rootedness in truth. Our first instinct has got to be to welcome and support and love people into wholeness. And it's only in that context then that any rebuking or correcting can have any hope of being effective, any hope of succeeding. I've personally learned this through plenty of unforced errors and my failure to walk rather than rush headlong and headstrong into something. Because I got truth, baby. Paul's going to say, buddy, you better be speaking it in love. And you better figure out how that looks and how it sounds. But more on that next week. And so here it is so far. The love that keeps us together. The one whose love keeps us together unites us in this powerful experience of God and His immeasurable fullness, His love. And He urges us, and it's not optional, but He urges us to make room for all in this Spirit-generated peace. So there's our first priority. Strive for the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace and to walk it out carefully and enjoy the journey together. We can because, you see, as... I, I, I trust that we actually are continuing to experience together, even in a pandemic, even with all the restrictions and all of that stuff. Since when has a pandemic been able to shut down the Spirit of God or an oppressive regime that says can't meet anymore and what happens? The church in China goes to a few to millions from 1949. See, God, God is not stoppable. And so are we continuing together in that powerful experience of His fullness, which is to say the fullness of His immeasurable love. I trust that we are. I trust that you are. But we don't stop there because there's God, God work to be done. And you're all involved. And to that we turn in part two. I already prepared the whole business and I realized there's way too much here. Do you ever, do you ever have that happen, Ray or, or, uh, or uh, Graham? Never. Never happened to me before, but it did today. So that's it. I'm done. You've got enough to mull over. You've got enough to walk out and work out. And may we do so in the full assurance of His love for us. And so... Uh, and in the unity of the Spirit. So let, let's close with an old song, a simple song, a great song, really. Chris didn't write it, but uh, it's still good. Thanks for listening. We invite you to follow Jesus with us and join us on mission with him. We'd love for you to connect with us through our website, worship at aemc.com, or on Facebook. Just search for Aylmer EMC.